Welcome to the How To Dad podcast. My name is Devin Pierce. We are live on Mixer. Today is September 18th, 2019. Our last episode was on September 11th, where we discussed apathy as love. And I tried to give those who felt that particular stage in a relationship the confidence of knowing that it was both normal and that they weren't alone. Today is episode 25, and we are going to be having RCS number three. RCS stands for Random Conversation Starters, if this is your first time hearing that term. Each week, I bring you guys tips and tricks for parenting, adulting, and life as a whole. Share the tools from my toolbox with you to help make you better equipped for life's great adventure. Now, of course, the How To Dad podcast is owned and hosted by myself, Devin Pierce, and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Like 4.0 International License with all rights reserved. Uh, before we get into today's episode, guys, how are you? Are you alive? Are you well? Are you whelmed? Are you underwhelmed? Are you overwhelmed? Where do you set on the scale of whelm? Hmm? I'm doing meh, well, relatively good, I suppose. It is the last day of my days off, so I start and end my days off with podcasts, conveniently. And I did learn a few things about myself this set of days off, which is always handy. But I'm going to take the three things I learned, and I'm going to try and give them a positive twist. I am great at procrastination. And if they handed out awards for being easily distracted, I'd get first place. And number three, I have a great deal of improvement to be made in managing my depression. Uh, that last one was really hard, actually, to uh, word in a positive way. But essentially, it can only go up from here. Well, not really. But that is the hope. Keeping it positive. I also, yesterday, filled my, filed, filed my divorce papers for the third or maybe the fifth time. I've lost track at this point. Um, for the better part of the past year, it has been simple legalities or clerical errors on my part, which have prevented my divorce from being processed. Now, the ex-wife and I have been separated for four years and five months as of yesterday. And it, it's uh, that little bit of life experience that's going to give us one of our topics for today. Today... We're going to feature our random conversations around a singular topic. And that theme is going to be establishing yourself. And what I mean by establishing yourself is that we're going to look at concepts that may help you be better prepared for life's changes. Um, with that, there is no reference material with today's topics. However, I did make myself sit down and do show notes. 
so that I wouldn't end up in a rant. I did end up in a rant while making show notes and had to go back and edit it uh, multiple times. And that's why we're so late. I do try to get the show on live much earlier in the day than this. But I didn't want to ramble, so I wanted to make sure we got the notes done and we got it all taken care of and looked after. For our audio listeners, you will find in the written description of today's episode the timestamps for the different topics. Now, what are those topics, you may say? Well, today the three things that we're going to talk about are going to be life balance, or its prioritization, marriage and divorce, as well as self-worth. And the heaviest one's actually the first topic, and with the most I have to say about it, and then it dwindles down as we go further down the list. Just happened to work out that way. I did not plan it that way. If this is your first time listening to one of the RCS episodes, the way this works is that I'm going to give you guys my general opinion or maybe some suggestions about a topic in the hopes that you guys will come back to me with your side of the conversation and we will get a conversation started. Pretty easy peasy. If nothing else, I hope at least this gives you something to think about. Topic number one, life balance and prioritization. First of all, uh, shout out to one of my friends who, that was really loud. Shout out to one of my friends who uh, accidentally inspired this topic by sharing a post on Facebook. The post was an image of someone else's status or maybe a tweet. I don't actually remember. In that, the person discussed how the idea that if you matter to someone, they'll prioritize you and that this shows where you stand with those other people in your life is garbage. The post goes on to establish how, as adults, we understand that our friends and ourselves have different goals or desires to achieve certain things and may simply just not have enough time at the end of the day. You know, we all have bills to pay and we do need sleep. So sometimes you're just not going to have the ability to make time for friends and family and such. That's just the reality of the modern world. So a little bit after seeing that post, I got to thinking about it some more, as I've seen the other side of that posted quite frequently. I can see the valid points to both sides of that conversation. And, you know, if you really take the time and think about it, they both do have valid points. Yes, everyone is busy, but you can shift and change your priorities to make time for people in your life. They don't always have to lose out. Something to consider there. And back on episode four of the show, we did talk about remembering our parenting friends, how this can be difficult, especially once children are involved, even just your adult friends versus your parenting friends, I should say. 
um, in that same episode, we do give suggestions about how you can try and rekindle or build up new friendships because you realize that they may not be getting all the love and attention that those relationships need to flourish. So go check out episode four if you haven't. Um, instead of a question that week, we had a bit of a homework assignment to help people build friendships better or strengthen them or whatever. However, when it comes to your total life balance, it does go beyond those things. A fellow Twitch streamer and ESO player uh, tweeted about becoming unemployed recently, to which I commented how when I was unemployed for almost a year, I failed to effectively use that time. And I tried to encourage them to look at this as an opportunity and not as a setback. What I mean by that is when you're unemployed, this could be a good time to work on your personal hobbies or goals that you may not have had time for when you were also working. It wasn't until near the end of my tenure as an unemployed individual that I uh, started looking into planning this podcast and stuff. If I uh, had been inspired sooner, I could have had this all sorted out and started earlier too. But it is what it is. Along with that, there was also a few other conversations that just coincidentally happened around the same time I had with other people that brought up the fact that though I am qualified to be doing a much higher paying job than the work I currently do, and there are job opportunities for that industry right now, I make the choice to work for less money because of the quality of life the current employment provides me and my family. I myself have also, in trying to find balance, read so many different articles uh, pop up on social media or even uh, took a Finding Balance program here in town that was being provided by the uh, local group that does all of our educational programming for adults and stuff to try and find balance in my life. And what I found in most cases is that people just simply expect you to make it happen. Or at least it felt that way to me. As though you're just going to wake up one day and suddenly everything is going to work out perfectly. Well, that's malarkey. Now, a lot of these things do talk about setting out a schedule. You know, finding ways to fit in different things into that schedule. But for most people, even if you prioritize things a little bit differently and try to shift and shuffle things around, you are not going to find the balance you're looking for because most of those programs aren't looking at things on a life scale. They look at it on a calendar. Now, a quick note before I get into that. It is a good thing to think about the fact it is easier to practice the calendar-based methods when you are a single person without any kids than it is when you are a family filled with a bunch of different schedules that will almost always conflict with each other. 
So if you're living on your own, that's the time to really get those things sorted out. That's not to say that you as an individual or an adult in a relationship, or even as a parent with a bunch of children running around, can't learn to utilize those things. But the more schedules that you have to incorporate into finding balance, the more variables there are which can make the experiment um, more difficult. Sorry, uh, a bit of my nerd slipped up there. Whoops. So what I mean about not looking at it towards it as a life scale, myself as a person who has to consider my schedule, then my spouse's schedule, as well as the schedules of three different children. My son started school, as an example, the first Tuesday of this month. My daughter didn't start school till this past Monday. We all have different schedules and different things we have to work around. So picking days or dates out of the year or out of the month or even in a week to attempt to achieve goals can be a very daunting task. So I do kind of feel like just giving you guys an example of how I've been working towards finding balance is the best way to get my point across. So I'll just I'll just go ahead and get into that. But one of the first things I did to finding some formal balance was working with my employer to change my work schedule. When I got hired on, we were working four days a week, every week. And at one point in time, we had five people working every single day. Now we have three people who work on a rotation and our merchandiser. We're getting the same amount of work done in the same number of hours with one less person and one out of those three people is getting a week off at a time. Now, that obviously didn't just happen overnight. And honestly, I didn't pick when it started. I just made the suggestion, showed my employer my idea, my thoughts about the potential benefits. And he was like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. Let's, let's do it. That was the first time in almost... 30 years that my boss had ever had that many days off in a consecutive amount of time. And now that boosted his quality of life, his personal life, and he doesn't want it to go back to the other way. Even if he's not necessarily making the same money or having to pay out a little bit more on the weeks he's not working to have the job covered, He's also not having to pay anybody else to help him get things done around his farm because he is home to do those things. And he's also getting to spend more time with his spouse, more time with his grandkids, because he's home for an entire week. So that was the first stage of me trying to find better balance in my life. And then taking that one week off I have 
to try and focus on my content creation, such as the podcast, or as I mentioned last week, this week I've been working on getting my house ready for winter, cleaning things up, getting the garage emptied out so the spouse can get her car parked in the garage. I have to build a shelf. I, I don't have enough storage for my tools. So, but got everything else cleaned up. We can almost fit the car in the garage. Um, so, you know, but that was my entire week this past week. Every spare second I could, I was spent in the garage getting it cleaned up. That's not something I may have necessarily found the time to do at the end of the day, working four days a week. Step two has been for me to work on my friendships, uh, reaching out to my various associates, um, ensuring that people have my phone number, because for a while I didn't even have a cell phone or a home phone. And also making the effort to invite them to my home. And again, it's not about picking specific days or times, it's, it's simply about attempting or putting the effort forward in the direction you want to go. As this will still add some value or priority to that part of my life. Um, as an example, I have said, as I've interacted with my different uh, guy friends, I've said, hey, I'm thinking of having a guy's name. Haven't picked a date yet, but, you know, just putting that thought in their head, right? That's the starting point. That's putting a little bit more value into friendship. Finding a little bit more balance on the scale that way. I should also mention that at some point along the way, uh, at the request of my father, we've made it a weekly tradition to go and have dinner at my parents' place as a way of balancing family into our lives as well as the children's lives. To that same end, we also made a point of making sure we attended my spouse's family reunion this year, which was the first time I've met the majority of that side of her family and the first time almost anybody on that side of her family met us because I was down in the United States. You know, there's some additional factors here to consider as well. My parents live 16 kilometers down the road. So to do a regular visit every week that's short and sweet is doable. It's far more involved for us to drive all the way down to Idaho Falls and meet up with my spouse's dad's family. But when we did go down there, we spent a couple of days with the family, right? And that's kind of how you try to balance that. You try can't go there as often so I'll stay a little bit longer right at least that's what you're trying to do in those moments and as I got to thinking about about those differences in family time for her family and family time for my family I kind of realized that there is a misconception or at least that I have had this misconception maybe I'm wrong maybe it's maybe it's just me I don't know but it seems that the idea of balancing our work, life, 
love, hobbies, friends, family, seems to be always thought of as like this simple two-sided scale where we just shuffle everything around as though all the weights on the scale have the same value. But the fact of the matter is, for every person, the different things on the scale will all have weights of different value and priority. So if you think about a traditional two-sided scale and all those little weights that people you play with as a kid, one big weight over here, a bunch of little weights over there, nobody's labeled any of the weights, okay? So when you go up to the scale and you start playing with it, you decide, okay, this giant one is going to be family. This little one's going to be work. Oh, way too much over here. So then you start balancing out with other little weights, right? But it's you as an individual that chooses what those weights are going to represent. The next person may not pick the same things. Just something to think about there. With our attempts as a family to balance things, rather than setting a goal for each month or a week, we made a general goal for the first half of this year to travel more and see more family than we have in previous years. So we went to Texas in May, went to our one trip we usually do every year uh, for a North Country Fair. And then we did the road trip to the States. It's all hunky-dory for the family reunion. But as part of that, in order to save the money up to make sure we could afford to do these things we want to do, we did kind of let our friendships fall off to the wayside. And now that we're done looking towards those goals, for the second half of the year, we're kind of looking more at building up our friendships and continuing certain family ties. And what I mean like that, or what I mean with that is that I'm trying to get my house put together enough that I can host Thanksgiving this year. So for us, rather than trying to find balance week by week or month by month, we opened it up to much larger periods of time. And that made it a lot less stressful for us because it was a general statement. Oh, we're going to do this. And, you know, we had to work around certain time frames, but we didn't stress about it at all. And who's to say, maybe... Maybe even our goals for the second half of the year will change. Uh, we might start working on our eating habits or physical activity levels. I honestly don't know. And I kind of like it that way. And, you know, we're not as focused on trying to balance all the things right this second. Like I said, we let our friendships fall to the wayside. They became less of a priority. And... It's not that we valued our friends less, but we valued the focus of those relationships a little bit less. So we made those a smaller weight, set them over here, and we brought some other stuff over here to the priority side, right? 
I'm not concerned about keeping everything perfectly balanced all the time. I am willing, and quite frankly, I feel like this is the only way to really do it. I am willing to let things tip a little bit one way or the other for a little bit of time. Because at the end of my life, I'm hoping it'll kind of all balance out. So our first conversation starter question for you guys is going to be, is there really such a thing as balance? Or is the idea of balance much like the concept of perfection, something that is unattainable? Now, as always, you guys can get in touch with me via Twitter at crownesso or with email crownesso, crown, E-S-S, zero, at gmail.com. And as always, down below the bridge where all the trolls live on the YouTube comment section. You guys get back to me with that. And we'll move on to conversation starter number two. I lied. Something to consider, which I actually had in these notes, but I stream, streamlined it down earlier. When you are two single people who come together, you're not just balancing two sides of a scale anymore. You're now balancing two sides that also have two sides each. And so you can twist and turn that scale different ways. Just based off of what each person brings to the relationship and how they prioritize or value different things. Plus, you also are adding a new weight in the form of that new relationship. And that is what kind of makes things turbulent once the honeymoon stage wears off and many relationships is because not only are you trying to balance yourself, but you're trying to balance yourself with your partner. So if you're in a newer relationship, take that into consideration. There's a lot of things going on there. Yeah. So last two cents I got for that one. Topic number two, marriage and divorce. So as I said at the start of tonight's episode, I recently filed yet again, for my divorce. And it has been an ongoing process for almost four and a half years. Some time ago, when my spouse and I were in the little office there at the downtown Edmonton, uh, at the Brownlee building, where they help you do all your paperwork and stuff, my spouse and I entered into a conversation with another individual who was there where I expressed how the whole system of marriage and divorce is backwards. Now, for those of you who haven't experienced the divorce side of things, um, regardless of if you are, regardless of where you are in the world, divorce is one of the primary forms of money-making law. And when there are children involved, even more so. So for me to get married here in the province of Alberta, 
at the time I got married, I had to go down to the local registry's office and pur purchase a certificate of marriage. And now we didn't get married in a church. We used a uh, private property of my family's and had the officiant to meet us there. And because they had to drive out, there was an additional cost associated with that. But if I had just met her outside of her place of work and had her sign off on the documentation, all in all, it would have cost me 300 bucks to get married at the most. Now, between the caterer, clothing, decorations, time invested, it did obviously cost more than that for us to get married. That being said, I spent nearly the same amount of money in the first year of my divorce through various legal fees as I did to get married. And that was the first year of my divorce I was mostly self-represented. As I did say, once children are involved, it's far more financially lucrative position for lawyers and court systems. But it also becomes more difficult to be granted a divorce because the laws are set out to ensure that children will be taken care of during this turbulent time, which on paper is a great thing, but it also creates a lot of bureaucracy. My ex and I have agreed on everything for over a year now. However, because of us having children involved, it has taken this amount of time to finalize everything. So with that bit of a backstory, I can jump back into the conversation I had that one time and how the whole system was backwards. If instead of it being a legal requirement for all these things to be settled before a divorce can be granted, why isn't it required before you get married? Why aren't things such as prenuptial agreements, a requirement before you can get married. When you get separated or divorced and there are children involved in the province of Alberta, there are special communication classes which you are required to take before a judge will finalize or grant a custody arrangement. Even if you and your partner, or your ex rather, agree on everything about the children's situation going forward, if you two haven't taken those courses, they won't finalize the documentation for it. And again, it has taken me four and a half years to get to this point. And it's not all of the legal side of things. There were clerical errors made by me. I don't put things in the wrong spots or whatever, which did cause issues this uh, last time it was rejected because they didn't teach me how to get a divorce in high school and I'm not a lawyer. Even lawyers have to take special training to have a full understanding of divorce, which is a federal situation, meaning it is dealt at the Queen's bench level of court here in Canada, which also means that I have to drive to the nearest Queen's bench about two hours away every time we had to go to court to discuss something during this process over the last four and a half years. So let's imagine for a second that we take this and we flip it all on its head. We use the exact rules for divorce and flip them over to you getting married. 
The first rule of divorce is that you have to have been separated and living apart for one year. All right. So now, let's, if order you get married, you would have to have been living together for at least one year. Now you can apply to get married. For simplicity, let's say that this is a joint application, meaning that one piece of paper for two different parties. So you and your future spouse go down to the courthouse, having filled out your application for marriage. And your affidavit for joint marriage application. So what would this, what would this piece of paper look like, this form? Well, first it's going to have some check boxes that say, yes, I've lived with so-and-so for more than a year. Uh, these were the addresses we lived at over this period of time. And there would also be a section for you to express uh, the expectations of the relationship. So each person would have a section saying, uh, I'm getting married to this person because of these reasons. And this is how I feel our lives would be better when we are married. And the other person would do the same thing. And this uh, example, since you're jointly applying, you guys would have had to have already agreed to everything that's going to happen with children, money, or property should the marriage fail. Before you even get started, basically putting it all out there on the table in these documents so the judge can read it and be like, oh, yeah, oh, yep, yep, yep. this looks like you've put a lot of thought into this. Now you pay to submit this document. Uh, I believe the initial filing fee to start divorce is 150 bucks. Then you get a court date at minimum three months down the road, assuming that there is space to get in that early. So the joint marriage situation goes in front of the judge. He reviews, he or she reviews your documentation. You guys confirm, yes, this is what we've agreed upon. Congratulations, your marriage is now approved. Well, it takes time to process, just as it would for a divorce. So you then receive a copy of your order. Uh, when it's all done, the two of you have come to this agreement. Uh, you take your piece of paper that says you have your order, you take your order, and you have to wait 31 days before you can take the documentation down to the local registry's office and apply to the court to receive your marriage certificate, which costs money. The reason why you have to wait 31 days is because when you're getting a divorce, after they grant your divorce, you have to wait 31 days. So if somebody realizes that there is a mistake they can appeal it and try and correct the mistake before it gets finalized. And then you have to wait another 31 days after that new order is adjusted. Same thing would apply here, right? So this is the fast track, right? This is a joint marriage application situation, which from the time you moved in together, moved in together would have been at least a year and six months from the day you moved in to get the piece of paper that would allow you to book the person who is going to be your officiant. And that's if everybody gets along and all the things are sorted out. Now, let's say when everything's said and done, you end up with a divorce, but you guys already agreed to how everything was gonna be taken care of before you got married, right? 
Now you go down to the registry's clerk, you ask for a certificate of divorce, you provide them with your initial marriage documentation, they give you a form to fill out, you pay your fee, you get a divorce certificate. In the mail, it'll probably come in the mail, but then you take your divorce certificate along down with your original court order and a what is called a supplementary affidavit if there's anything that's been changed maybe your employment's changed or different property is involved as well as the appropriate child support calculations for both you and your spouse and you file that with the courthouse which would all be in laid out as part of the terms and conditions you agreed to before you got married This is all you guys doing this still as a team, by the way. Now let's say you, you follow through, you do everything you're supposed to do as per your predetermined agreement, your prenuptial agreement. But there's something that you would like changed. You would then, after the orders are made, have to apply for the process we already have to vary the order that you just got. And again, that is the quicker way. So that divorce would still probably take about three months. Still way faster than four and a half years. And that's assuming that nobody argues anything, right? Well, let's say that you guys get engaged, but you can't agree on how to divide your properties should the marriage fail. Well, in this topsy-turvy world where you have to work to get married and divorce is more streamlined, you would have to submit individual applications. You would have to essentially sue the other person saying that you want to marry them. You pay $150. They do the same documentation as before, laying out your side of the story. And your partner would then counter-sue you with documentation saying their side of the story and why they feel they're right. Another 150 bucks there. And then you would have to respond to that counter suing, which you don't have to pay for that one though. So in this situation, assuming everyone took the maximum amount of time they're allowed to respond to each other, you're looking anywhere from four to six months before you see a judge. Then let's say they had to hire lawyers because they were still arguing. Next thing you know, they spent all their money on lawyers, they still haven't come to an agreement, and now they're going to, on how they are going to separate their personal belongings or any future children, because let's face it, these people may not even have children yet, and they can't decide what to do with them. They don't even exist. So at some point in time, those people are likely going to call it quits and just be like, well, marriage isn't worth it. We can't even agree on anything now. We haven't even gotten married yet. And that's kind of my whole point here. If people had to jump through the same hoops to get married as they do to get a divorce, most people wouldn't get married. What if a requirement by the government for you to get married was that you had to complete all these communication courses that exist? 
that people could get sent to for a divorce situation. If you had to spend three weekends and six other days doing a bunch of courses before you can even think about applying to do anything else involved in the marriage, that might even deter some people. Now, if you're kind of wondering how this ties into our theme of the day of establishing yourself, if I would have been better about knowing and believing in myself, that may very well have led me to making better relationship choices. Also, if the two people in our imaginary situation had good, strong concepts of who they were going into the situation, regardless of which one they ended up being in, it would have ensured the best possible outcome, right? Even if they end up calling it quits, at least they didn't end up getting married. So for our second conversation starter, let me know, you guys, what your opinion of prenuptial agreements are. Should they be mandatory? Are they even really enforceable? Now, what do you guys think? How do you think marriage and divorce should be handled? Again, touch with base with me on Twitter at Crown SO or email at Crown ESS zero at gmail.com or down below the bridge where all the troll lives on the YouTube replay. Our third and final topic for the day, self-worth. The topic of self-worth does tie into our first thing about finding balance and prioritizing different things. Somewhere on the scale of life, you have to include yourself. Whether you're looking at it from a mental health perspective or physical health or more from a personal growth side of it, prioritizing yourself can be difficult. Many of us don't want to do it because we don't want to seem selfish. 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 Or conceited. Especially when you are in an established relationship, while you and your partner are learning to balance all the things as a team, for both of you, you may not be getting what you as an individual is looking for. Now, because we love our partner, it can be very difficult to approach them or to know how to approach them when we have a concern such as this. Because again, we don't want to be thought of as selfish or ignorant to the other person or our general life situation even. Another side of this as well is perhaps we are trying so hard to support and empower one person or one particular value as a relationship on our little scale that we let ourselves fall right off. And like so many things in relationships, we can often make it out to be worse than it actually would be 
to have a certain conversation with our partner. And in all honesty, if you're feeling like you're missing something from your life or that you're off balance in some way, you are in a relationship. You need to address that with your partner. Just like with last week's topic of apathy as love, it may take you mustering your courage to have this conversation, but you should do it. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're not in a relationship, self-worth becomes about the relationship you have with yourself. That's not to say it isn't when you're in a relationship, but it can be a little bit more convoluted. Knowing who we are and what we value or how we prioritize things, you know, how it is we find our own balance, makes us better prepared for working with another person in the future. Or maybe it will reveal to you that you're not the type of person who's going to be seeking out a relationship. Whatever the case, whatever your situation, if you don't know how to value yourself, you can't really expect other people to know either. I don't really know what the best thing is to do with regards to one's self-worth either. It's been a question that has been bothering me throughout this past week. If you recall... At the start of the episode, I mentioned that I have a great deal of improvement to be made with regards to dealing with my depression. In this instance, my depression has been causing me to question my self-worth, and in turn causing me to feel overwhelmed by other aspects of my life. So with this topic, I am definitely looking for you guys to give me your input on how you measure your self-worth. I'm kind of looking for ideas, in all honesty, to help push me through those moments of self-doubt that my depression can bring on. To be my final reminder for you guys, you can get a hold of me via Twitter, at CrownSO, or email CrownSO, Crown, E-S-S, zero, at gmail.com and as always down below the bridge where all the trolls live in the YouTube comment section additionally those are also the same ways you can get in touch with me if you would like to come onto the show as a guest to speak about a specific topic or if you like me to cover a different topic now next week there may not be a show and that is because I am hoping to scribe up more of a detailed plan for the show. When we do come back, whether it ends up being next week or not, we will be in season two of the show. Uh, revived and hopefully better for y'all. When I set out to do this podcast, I put quite a bit of thought into it. And I did have quite a bit of plans involved. But I want to take what I've been learning 
and put the time into making the podcast even better. So, just a heads up. Not sure if we'll be back next week. That is why. I will see you guys when I see you. Have a good night. Thanks for coming out. I just wanted to take a moment and give a special thank you to you, the audio listener. I think it's really awesome that you guys are coming in, downloading episodes of the podcast, and taking this show with you while you go about your day and getting things done. And I really hope that you guys are enjoying the content. And I look forward to hearing from you guys if you have any ideas on how I can make this show better for you. Thank you.